I'm Ben Forrid. I'm Polly Gill. And I'm Alyssa Mendel. And this is Chordscast. Created by the team at the Coordination of Rare Diseases at Sanford, or CORDS for short, which is a rare disease registry working to tie together patients and researchers, no matter their condition and no matter where they are in the world. In these episodes, you'll hear interviews with scientists, physicians, rare disease patients, and advocates, along with updates on our registry and ways that you can get involved. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Chords Cast. I'm Alyssa Mendel, and today I have with me a very special guest. Her name is Karen Dolans. She is with the Maple Syrup Urine Disease Family Support Group. She also happens to be a Chords partner of ours here, so we've been working closely together over the past few months, and she has had quite the successful recruitment campaign to the registry. Uh, we're going to learn more about the maple syrup urine disease condition, and we're also touch a little bit on the importance of being involved in Accords Registry. So Karen, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, just tell us a little bit about who you are and your connection to the rare disease community. Yes, sure. Thank you, Alyssa, and thank you for this opportunity. Um, I am a parent uh, of a, an individual who is now 26 years old um, who has maple syrup urine disease. She was diagnosed through newborn screening at 10 days of age when she was already in a coma. Wow. Um, she, uh, of course, uh, I am also, it just so happens that I, by profession, am a registered dietitian. So I actually had heard of this very rare disease before my daughter <clears throat> was diagnosed with it. And um, probably because of my background and because this is treated primarily through diet, I've become very involved in our support group and in furthering our research efforts. Wow, your daughter was in a coma at, what'd you say, 10 days old? Well, she actually went into a coma when she was eight days of age. So she was in a coma from day eight through 10 and it was on the 10th day that we got the report back from newborn screening with her diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So prior to that, although she was in the neonatal intensive care of a world-renowned hospital, she was not diagnosed and therefore had not been treated appropriately. Wow, that had to have been really scary. I can't imagine that. Uh, For those listening in the audience that don't know what maple syrup urine disease is, could you explain to us what the symptoms are and what all that involves? Sure. Well, maple syrup urine disease has an unfortunate name because it really has nothing to do with maple syrup it just so happens that one of the metabolites when they become elevated has the smell of maple syrup. But what the disease actually involves is an inability to metabolize or to use certain amino acids. So amino acids are building blocks of proteins 
and we have 20 essential amino acids. Three of those are what's called branched chain amino acids. And it's those three amino acids that can't be metabolized by an individual with this disease. So during gestation, the mom is doing the metabolism and gestation proceeds normally. Mm. So when an individual with MSUD is born, they present like a normal, healthy, newborn baby. However, in the days after birth, the body isn't able to keep up with the metabolism of these amino acids, and so they build up into toxic levels, and they cross the blood-brain barrier, cross into the brain, and wreak all sorts of havoc, which is why, if untreated, these newborn babies will pretty quickly lapse into a coma, and again, if untreated, can even die. Wow, that is terrifying. So you had mentioned it's detected through newborn screening, and then that there, I'm assuming there is a treatment for this. What is that treatment that's involved with this? Yes, and you know, Alyssa, before I mention the treatment, I should also mention that ideally newborn screening will alert the parents and the pediatrician before the baby enters into a coma. Okay. Ours didn't work according to plan, and the um, blood spot, the analysis of the blood spot used in newborn screening was delayed, which is why she was so seriously ill before diagnosis. Mm -hmm. However, treatment really centers around controlling the intake of these amino acids. Now, remember they're essential, meaning that we need them to survive. We need them to grow and we need them to um, perform our body's normal metabolism. So it really becomes a balancing game of figuring out the precise amounts that each individual needs of these amino acids, making sure they get that amount no more and no less. Mm. If they don't get enough, they're not going to grow and develop. If they get too much, they're going to develop toxic levels. Mm -hmm. Now, the other piece of this is that since uh, these amino acids are just three of the essential amino acids that an individual needs, there is no way to eat um, regular, whole, natural foods and get the right amount of protein for growth without getting a surplus of these amino acids. So for that reason, people with MSUD are dependent on a medical formula. And what this formula provides is all of the essential nutrients, all the vitamins, minerals, all the amino acids, except for those three branch chain amino acids, all the fatty acids, everything else that we need for growth. It does not have those three amino acids. So the individual with MSUD has to have regular blood tests. And based on the results of those blood tests, the doctor will prescribe the amount of those three amino acids that the individual should be taking in every day. So in the neonatal period, this changes all the time. So for example, when my daughter was a newborn, we were having blood tests twice a week, meaning we had Mm. to go into the hospital twice a week to get this analysis, and then they would adjust her dose accordingly. 
as they get older, it can be less frequent. Now she has a blood test approximately every six to eight weeks. But again, it needs regular monitoring in order to make sure that they're getting the right amount because I can't emphasize this enough. It's not just a question of not making sure they aren't getting too much, mm -hmm. but too little means that the body can't do what the body needs to do. So it's very precise. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like a lot of maintenance goes into this. That's that's really remarkable. Uh, so you mentioned your daughter has this condition. What was it that made you decide to become an advocate? Was it your daughter? Well, no. I mean, she was a baby when I became an advocate. Sure. Um, you know, we started, of course, learning as much as we could, and we became familiar with the MSUD family support group. Um, and the MSUD Family Support Group puts on a symposium every other year. And so we went to our first symposium and there for the first time met other people with this rare disease and were able to connect with them and hear from a whole list of speakers that included physicians and um, dietitians and others who work with this population. And, uh, and we just were quickly brought into the fold. And from an early, I think when she was maybe around um, eight years old, I was asked to take over our newsletter. Mm, and I okay. did that um, and then became a member of the board and involved in all sorts of different aspects of trying to improve the care and management um, for people with this disease. Okay, so that was the MSUD Family Support Group, and it sounds like you've been around, the group has been around for a few years, several years, it sounds like. Is that correct? Yeah, um, you know, the, the uh, incidence of MSUD is approximately 1 in 185,000 live births, so it's a very rare disease. However, in certain populations, there's a much higher incidence. So in this country, the highest incidence is in the Mennonite community. Okay. And I believe they have an incidence of approximately one in 26,000 live births. Wow. So it's much more likely to occur um, because it's a smaller gene pool within those communities. Mm -hmm. Now, since I've been involved in this, we've discovered that there are pockets um, are all around the world, in every part of the world, with these higher incidences. So, for example, there is um, a group in Costa Rica with a higher incidence. There are quite a few communities in the Arab countries, in particular Saudi Arabia, and others that also have a much higher incidence of this disease. That's really interesting. Do you think those pockets that you were describing, is there, is it worth further investigating why there's those pockets? I mean, you did mention that there's a limited gene pool with it, but is there, yeah. do you think there's other significance to it? No, it seems to be related to consanguinity. So when you have populations of people who tend to um, marry and have children with a smaller group of people, you're going to have a higher incidence. Okay. Um, we also know that there is a higher incidence in the Ashkenazi Jewish population, 
for that same reason. Okay, interesting. So what advice do you give to parents then who have one of these new diagnoses? I'm sure it could be uh, scary at first. It's, it's petrifying at first because now we're in the internet age, which we really weren't when my daughter was born. So typically the first thing that someone does is go on the internet and they hear and read these horrible things about, um, you know, high incidence of, of death and morbidity uh, as well as mortality. Um, whereas we know that if MSUD is treated, that many people go on to live relatively normal lives. But one thing that we didn't mention yet, and which I need to mention, Alyssa, is that it's not just a question of adhering closely to the diet, which as I'm sure you can imagine is very, very difficult because mm-hmm. any, any food with protein is limited. Yeah. And what most people don't realize is that a piece of bread has an amount of protein in it that could be dangerous to an individual with this disease. And even a piece of fruit can have high enough levels of these amino acids that they have to be counted into the daily allotment. So it's an extremely rigid diet. But on top of that, anytime there is an infection, the body's metabolism has to adapt. And in individuals with MSUD, that adaptation um, doesn't work very well. So when we have an infection, we tend to be breaking down body tissue. And that breakdown of body tissue leads to a rise in those branched chain amino acid levels that can be very, very dangerous for the individual. So even something like a cold or a regular flu um, has to be treated very carefully for an individual with this disease. They typically have to eliminate all of the branched chain amino acids from their diet. Again, because their own body proteins are being broken down and releasing those amino acids. And on top of that, they have to eat a lot of calories so that the body can, can slow down its breakdown of tissue and even reverse itself and start rebuilding the tissue. So what that means is that you can have someone who's feeling pretty miserable because they're sick, and yet they have to consume all of these calories. So often people um, with MSUD, when they get sick, they have to be hospitalized because it's just too hard for them to keep up with this. And often they'll be given IVs so that they can maintain not only hydration, but also get some calories in them and be medically monitored. However, the life expectancy of people with this disease has changed enormously. And, you know, especially in countries where there is good care, again, as I said, they can lead pretty normal lives. Um, So it really all does come down to being on top of the management and making sure that you have access as best as possible to good care. Yeah, that sounds that's that's hopeful. I feel encouraging at least with something so complex and something that you do really have to keep a close eye on. That you're saying people do have the ability to live a relatively normal life. Um, so, yeah. what? And I would oh, emphasize okay. with that we have people in our support group 
who have gone on to graduate school and have doctoral degrees and are leading highly productive lives. Yeah. So it's not the death sentence that it once was. Yeah, that is super encouraging. And I'm sure lots of research had to go into this to figure out. I mean, it does sound like you guys know quite a bit about this condition. So why should patients and families advocate for research in this? Yeah, so there's a lot we know and there's a lot we don't know. Um, one of the most basic things that we don't know is just how many people with MSUD are living in this world. So in the U.S., every state now has newborn screening, um, and MSUD is part of that newborn screening panel in every state. Um, but that's only been the case for a while. When my daughter was born, that wasn't the case. Okay. It was on the panel in New York, but not in a lot of other states. So since newborn screening has been expanded, we've been able to use that data um, of the number of people that, that screen positive to make this estimate of one in 185,000 individuals. However, worldwide, we don't have that data. Mm -hmm. Even when you look at countries that do have newborn screening, for example, I've spoken to organizations in Europe um, involved in newborn screening, and they can't give me an estimate on the number of people identified through newborn screening, even in Europe. So let alone Asia, where it's very uncommon to have newborn screening, um, Africa, uh, again, the Middle East, uh, it's less common in some of these countries. And so we really don't have a good handle on just how many people have this disease. And then we really need to know the natural history so that we can identify just what the specific needs and priorities are of our population, and then we can target research accordingly. So, for example, um, now that people are living um, better, and at least in this country, tend to be diagnosed early, we now see that even with early diagnosis, there are a number of um, neuro and psychological um, consequences, a high incidence of um, ADHD and mm. depression and neurocognitive deficits. And we know very little about that. So the more natural history studies we're able to perform, the clearer it will be um, just what direction our research projects need to go in. Yeah, that would make sense. I can't, I'm, I was just trying to think about as you were talking about how, you know, country or places over like in Asia and Europe, how you're not able to get the full picture of how many people have this. Yeah, that that's challenging. I know one of the things um, the MSUD Family Support Group has done has partnered with CORDS to create a registry. And with that registry, it, you're trying to figure out or get as many people as you can into that registry. And then also there are some questions about the condition itself for folks to answer that will help give you further insight into what's going on too. Um, any, can you share any more on that project? Um, yes, that's a hugely important project for us. Uh, we, we, when we speak with researchers and ask them, you know, how, how would they advise us, what are, how would they advise us to prioritize 
um, our research needs, it always comes down to you need a registry, you need a natural history study so that researchers who are interested can then go through this data and identify areas for research. And there's a lot of talk these days about patient-centered research. And what that means is that it's really important to know, you know, not just what research researchers think are important, but the individuals with the disease and their families, what do they feel is important? Sure. Because they're yeah. really in the best position to know. So only by completing these registries will be, we be able to have a good handle on what are the specific issues that are most important to quality of life um, for people with this particular disease. Sure, yeah. And are people able to go to your website and click on a link at all to get to that registry? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so they can go to our website, which is www.msud-support.org. And from there, they can reach the registry um, website. Sure. And I'm sure anybody at your organization is available for questions, too. And then I know also the CORDS team is available to answer questions, too, to help people enroll um, either through, you know, the mail, online, or even by phone. Yeah. So, you know, as I mentioned, there is a high incidence in the Mennonite community, and many of these people do not have computers. So they've been able to call the CORDS personnel and get a hard copy and then go over it with them on the phone so that their data is is counted we also are in the process of translating the registry into both spanish and arabic um, because we feel it's very important mm. to get a handle on what's going on in other parts of the world not just in the u.s yeah that's exciting and i do just want to say too uh the recruitment that you guys have been doing to the registry has just been phenomenal. I mean, there was a good couple of weeks there that you were keeping the CORDS team very busy answering the phone and emails yeah. and getting questionnaires sent out and sent back. It was it was pretty inspiring to see. So I think it's been awesome. Um, well, what we, you know, we decided this that this is just so important to us that we actually dedicated funds to enable us to call every person in our database oh, to sure. encourage them to complete the registry. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, we find that we have a lot of wrong numbers and a lot of missing emails. So people don't always advise us of their changes in contact information, which is why we haven't been able to reach every single person mm -hmm. in our database, but we've done a pretty good job of, of reaching um, a, a number of people. Yeah, I would agree with that. Well, Karen, uh, wrapping up here, is there anything else that you would like to add? I know I feel like I've learned a lot more about this condition. Um, anything else you want to touch on? I was curious, do you guys have a conference that's coming up at all? Well, um, sadly, we had to cancel our conference that was planned for this past June. We have one every other year, and okay. we did make the decision last year to skip 2021, which was a good thing since it doesn't seem that would be likely. 
you know, again, remember that, you know, our, our population is a, a high-risk population. Yeah. So our next symposium is scheduled for the year 2022. And we are doing that in partnership with the um, Clinic for Special Children in Pennsylvania. Oh, cool. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we're excited about that. So for those listening who are interested, you can find updates about that conference in 2022 on their website. Correct. Anything else, Karen, that you would like to share? No, I really would encourage anyone who's interested in MSUD to visit our website. Again, that's www.msud-support.org. We do have a wealth of information there. We're in the process of updating our website, so in coming months it will be uh, become even more user-friendly with a lot of more updated information. And please don't hesitate to reach out to any of the board members who are listed on that website if you should have any, any further questions. All right. Well, thank you, Karen, for joining us today. Again, this was super informative, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to educate us more and share on the importance of research into uh, MSUD. Terrific. Thanks so much for having me, Alyssa. Thanks so much for listening. The theme music for Chordscast is borrowed with permission from Scott Holmes' song, So Happy. To learn more about Sanford Research and our registry, Chords, visit us at sanfordresearch.org chords. We'd love to hear from you. Send us your questions, comments, stories, or feedback to chords at sanfordhealth.org. Find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Sanford Chords. The content of Cast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. We'll see you next time on Cast.